0: Episode 51.
1: Hey, it's Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour. And if you want to learn to become profitably unemployable, you should be listening to Build Your Network with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chapel. What
0: is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you're listening to this, then there's a good chance that you're serious about building your network. If that's you, and only if you're serious, you should definitely check out my Facebook group, Build Your Network Beta. If you want more personal engagement, proven connection strategies and tactics, and some awesome giveaways like shopping sprees, beats, headphones, et cetera, et cetera, then head on over to byn.media forward slash FB to join the group, or you can search Facebook groups for Build Your Network Beta and join there. And once you do, please be sure to introduce yourself and say what's up, and I will catch you there. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Michael O'Neill. Michael is the founder of the solopreneur hour, a podcast that talks with some of the most well-known entrepreneurs out there since conception in 2013. He's been able to interview people like Charles Barkley, Adam Carolla, James Altucher, Jack Canfield, and several other awesome entrepreneurs. And he's now closing in on 10 million downloads from his show he has been able to create several different income streams, including masterminds, mentorships, and public speaking engagements. Michael, thanks so much for coming to the show today, bro. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about where you came from on the podcasting journey? How did you get into that? And how, where
1: has it taken you to the point where we're at today? Hey, Travis. Thanks for having me, man. I do appreciate that. It was a circuitous route, as I think much of our careers are. I was a web guy and a branding guy for 15 years. And then I had a, just a major personal shift in my life. And decided to stop working and doing client-based work anymore. So in 2009, I really started over again and started learning as much as I possibly could about everything I possibly could as far as running your own business and being a solopreneur and that kind of thing. And I ended up in a network marketing company, of all things, Hmm. because I had so much social media experience. And at the time, it was a very baby boomer-led kind of business I was super successful really quickly because nobody else was doing what I was doing online. In that space at that time, it was very sort of fertile ground to do really good social media engagement and that kind of thing. So I did that. And one of the guys at the company, well, first of all, the company themselves said, we like what you've been doing on social media. Would you be willing to share that with the rest of the field? And I was like, yeah. So they sent me, I, I went all around the country, U.S. and Canada for- about a year and went to 17 different cities and trained people on how to use social media to grow their business. Okay. And that was really my first kind of live training experience. And then, I don't know what it was, probably like 2011, one of the guys in the company said, hey, um, I have a YouTube question. Can you help me? And I said, yeah, but I can help you, but we should really think about growing your brand because I've seen this guy speak in front of 10,000 people and it's dead silent and he's an amazing speaker. And he said, well, how do I do that? And I go, what about a podcast? And he was like, what's a podcast? And I was like, well, it's like a radio show, but it's, you know, you uh, do it online. And so I ended up, because of my previous design and branding experience, I created this show called The Kick-Ass Life with David Wood. And that was really my first foray into podcasting in early 2012. And I was all that, he would, he spoke into the mic, I did everything else. Gotcha, gotcha. And like all the web stuff, all the editing, all the everything. I did that for like 18 months. And somewhere in the middle of that, he was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, <laughs> as, as you do, and he couldn't do the show. Like we thought we had enough shows in the queue that we could get over it, but we were short. And so I said, you know what, let me just jump online and I'll do a quick 45 minutes on how to grow your business with social media. So really essentially what I'd previously taught. Mm-hmm. And I you know, hit record and I did the show and I hit stop and I was like, huh that was easy. You know, that <laughs> felt, that felt good. Yeah. And then I got a bunch of emails from people like, you should do that. That should be a thing you do. And I said, no, all right. And so fast forward a month or two later, and it had never really codified. I was just sort of like, yeah, I should do a show. I don't know what it's going to be. And I ended up having lunch with Pat Flynn, who does smartpassiveincome.com. Okay. He lives here in San Diego. We had lunch and we talked about everything. We talked about Girls and cars and fashion and, and life and politics and, you know, as you do for a couple of hours. And we were leaving the restaurant and he stopped in the door and he turned to me and he said, dude, thank you. I never get to do that. I always am talking about SPI. And so I thought, wouldn't that be an interesting idea for a show? What if I did a show that really talked around everything that these people are known for and really got to know who they are so people could relate to them as humans versus kind of this data-driven idea that a lot of entrepreneurial shows have gone with. And so, you know, my goal is if it's on their about page, I don't want to talk about it because it's already out there. Hmm. And I wanted these, I kind of think of it as inside the actor studio, but for entrepreneurs and although some, I do have actors and comedians and athletes and things like that on, but it's more about the deep dive and the real conversation than it is me thinking, how am I giving value right now? I'm just thinking, how am I entertaining? Is this a good conversation? Yeah. yeah. And so far that was four years and Almost 10 million downloads ago, so we're on the right track. I was
0: going to say, so you started that back in 2013. Now you're coming up close to 10 million downloads in that period of time. Walk us through. This is one question I get a lot from people when I tell them that I, hey, look, I'm starting a podcast and they're like, okay, good for you. But I mean, is that a hobby? Is that a job? Do you make money on that? Can you, because I know that you were a really, really brilliant about the way that you went about monetizing the show. Can you talk into that for a second? Like, How did you take this following and these downloads and turn it into actual cash in your pocket so that you could be a solopreneur and pay your bills that way?
1: Well, first and foremost, I think you have to go into it assuming that that's not going to be the case. That's the only way to to really make it work. You can't, especially with a podcast and how flighty they are and how, I mean you have just as much of a chance of creating a hit podcast as you do a hit TV show. I mean, really, honestly. And I don't know that people realize that. And I wouldn't call mine. Mine's not a smash hit, but mine's like, you know, mine's like CSI Miami that'll be on for nine (laughs) seasons and everyone on the show did well, but it's not like this. You're not going to go, Oh, that's going to win a hundred Emmys. So Mm -hmm. in my case, the only intention was I really wanted to have conversations with these people. That was, and That's the truth. I didn't think about anything. I, there, I had no illusions of what this thing was going to do and how it was going to open doors. In fact, when I started it, I was perfectly fine being a behind-the-scenes guy still with The Kick-Ass Life. That's a good gig. If someone can just speak into a microphone and you can do all the other stuff, you have the capability to do all the other stuff, you can make a pretty good living. I was yeah. charging like 10 k to help people launch – podcasts and really get them professionally done versus Mm. just kind of like talking to your iPhone. And so I was living a decent life. It was fine. But yeah, a lot of things changed fairly quickly. And within the first couple of months, I started getting emails. It was kind of like a bit of a wax on wax off thing. I didn't know how much I knew. Do you know what I mean? It seemed like common knowledge to you, but it really wasn't at all. Yeah, maybe. I hadn't realized how much I had learned, not only in my Design and branding career, but with the social media after that, and then psychology on top of that, and just moving an audience through a, an energy. I knew a lot about stand up comedy. I'm a big stand up comedy guy, and there's nobody that can change the energy of an audience quicker or better than a stand up. Oh, so, man. you know, when you're talking about being on a microphone or speaking in front of an audience, even in an entrepreneurial way, you have to remember that you are in media at that point, you are a broadcaster. And because I come from a family of entertainers, I realize that this is showbiz and this is entertainment needs to come first. Entertainment trumps everything. And if you don't believe me, think about growing up and think about your favorite teachers. Is it because they knew more than everybody or is it because they were fun? Because they told great stories. So don't give me that, that, oh, this person's brilliant. I know a lot of brilliant, really boring people. Oh, yeah. And who would (laughs) never be any kind of personality. So personality really had to lead the way. And so while I'm having these conversations with people, I chime in because I can't stop talking. And people would write me and be like, hey, do you do any coaching around this stuff? And I was like, no, I don't. Sorry, you know, and then I would recommend them to a couple of my friends. Yeah. And then I think I said that 39 times and the 40th time they were like, do you do any coaching around that? I'm like, of course I do. Yeah, of course. I have a total, a whole thing. And I just started seeding out on the show, hey, you know, when I'm trying to learn something new, and right now I'm doing this with automation, like Zapier and all kinds of stuff, I'm, I am what I would call in the lab. So when I'm learning about something, I get really deep into it. It can be it was cryptocurrency a couple months ago, and hmm. now I'm like into this automation stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm in the lab. And, I, and You can't stop me. Like I'm watching a million YouTube videos. I'm diving into all the, st- I'm really learning it. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool. The show's called The Solopreneur Hour. So if I have this little coaching group, I'll call it Solo Lab. And that's kind of a fun little brand thing that I created. So I seeded it on the show and just said, hey, if anybody's interested, I'm thinking about starting this kind of group coaching thing. It's going to heavily involve me. So it's going to be a little different than a lot of the other ones you know about. And if anyone's interested, here's a little landing page sign up and we'll do a little 15 minute Skype call together. So that's lesson number one. So for anybody that's trying to monetize anything out in the world or create a group or whatever, first of all, they have to tell you they're ready Hmm. for it. So there was a demand. I got email after email after email. So I knew that there was a demand there. The second thing was people vote with their wallet. So you have no idea if people are going to be interested in it or if you should even pursue it. But what you can do is you can ask them. So I really went the one-to-one, belly-to-belly version of asking them and just said, sign up. It's a little 15-minute Skype call. I ended up doing three days of them total, and wow. it was like eight-hour days. I think I talked to like 41 people or something over the course of the three days. And my idea of what I was going to do with the lab prior to talking to them was almost 180 degrees different than what it was by the time I was done talking to them. So they told me what they really needed and it just kept coming back to community. And I was like, all right. So I was going to do all of this stuff and really make it extensive. And I realized that I had been, I had shot so far over the mark of what they really needed. Hmm. So I said, okay, at the end of these calls, I was like, all right, if I started this thing next week, are you a definite yes, definite no, definite maybe? And they were like, I think I got 17 yeses. And I said, all right, 17, yeah, I wanted 10. That was my number. Yeah. If 10 people said... Yes, I would do it. Then I would go through the trouble of creating not a membership site per se, but I was using S2 member. I had to configure the plugin, connect it to PayPal, all that kind of stuff and create a Facebook group and all that, whatever. Mm -hmm, And So I said, I'll I'll do it for 10. And I launched it. I gave some urgency to it. I I had an incentive that said, hey, if, if you're the first 10 people that sign up, I'll do two 30 minute coaching calls with you in addition to this Facebook group that you get to join. And it was 300 bucks a quarter, so it wasn't super expensive. Yeah. And I got, I think 13. I got 13 in the first hour or something like that. I said, sweet. So I got a thing called Solo Lab. And by a month later, really it was like five weeks later, six weeks later, I think I had 70
0: in the group. Oh wow. Wow.
1: Yeah. And it was crazy, and I didn't expect that at all. But all of a sudden, the podcast went from being just a podcast to now it was, at least in an auxiliary way, I was earning six figures a year. Right, right. So I was like, whoa, that was a thing. And then you know, a month later, GoDaddy called and said, hey, we want to start advertising on your show. We like your group. We like your vibe. And then they bought me out for the year. And that was like, all right, so now this is legit. Now not only is it a six-figure show, but it's like we're barking into multiple six figures for this Thing and, and yeah, that opened some doors. And then as I've been further along, you know, you go through a spike, right? The show has a big hit. It was a big hit for a while. And now it's leveled out for the last couple of years. But now there's reputation and there's speaking gigs and there's programs that I create. And, you know, I still have a long, loyal listenership. But there was never a, a monetization plan around it. And this is where I think you have to be innovative with how you present what you do and how you can connect with the audience that you're trying to connect with.
0: Looking back, do you think you waited a little bit too long to start monetizing? No, it was quick. It was like three months. It was that fast? Like right from when you started, you just had-
1: I started in August. Started I launched Soul Lab in December 6th. Wow. Wow. So September, October, November. Yeah, it was like three and a half months. So, so then, no, so I don't. then
0: you, so you started it, then three months <laughs> you started this program, and then three months after that, it was a six-figure business.
1: Like a mo- month, four months in, let's see, August, September, October, November, December- Within five months, it was six figures. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. But it's also super outlier-y. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. That, but, That's what here- I was going to ask next. Is- well, and here's the thing. The difference is, is that, I mean, again, take this in the spirits that it's intended, but I, I have the chops for it. So, yeah. like, when people are like, oh, you, do you listen back to your first few shows? And you're like, oh, God, that's awful. I'm like, no, they sound good. <laughs> like, I'm not, they, they they do. They don't sound that much different than what I'm doing now. Yeah. Nor am I, like, I do a thing on Friday Again, I'm trying. I don't want to be like I'm not trying to be egoy about this, but I think our industry is full of people that are that kind of jump on trend bandwagons and start mm-hmm. companies around them, yeah. and don't really have the chops to back them up. Mm-hmm. You know, I do a thing on Fridays called Free Coaching Friday, and people write me whatever questions they want. Some are about business, some are about life, some are about music, some are about relationships, whatever it is. I never read them before I read them live on the show, and I never edit my show. So my mm-hmm. show is always. I hit record, and I hit stop, and whatever happened in between that hour is what the show is. So that in and of itself is kind of rare. Right. Right. Just being able to do that because I think of my show as like a live 60s radio or television show. That's how I've always thought about it, where it's on me. I got to be a good host. I got to know what my guest is all about. I've got to run the show. I've got to be, you know, the onus is on me to be a good host. I got to know their links. I got to share the stuff with them or with my audience. I got to tell my audience where to find them regularly on the show. I do all the stuff that an old school radio guy would do that I don't feel like a lot of people are doing currently. They're leaving it up. Remember, we just talked right Mm -hmm. before we started recording. I told you about my little course. And you were like, yeah, just promote it. I'm like, that's not my job. Totally your job. That is your job. (laughs) You're the host. Yeah. And so I'm really adamant about that because I make my living now out of this. And what I don't want to happen is I don't want somebody to be listening, you know, to morning radio or NPR or Howard Stern or whatever, and then flip over to podcasts and go, oh, that's what this is. Hmm. And feel this huge dip in professionalism and quality and sound quality and all that stuff. I want it to be one-to-one. I want them to feel like, oh. I'm getting the same quality from this as I am from my regular experience. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so that's uh, why I'm like a real nerd about it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and a quick question off of what we were talking about a little
0: bit earlier. As far as podcasting goes now, because you started this back in 2013, immediately yeah. monetized it up to a six-figure business. Coming into now, we're 2017. Now there's, what, a half a million, I think, podcasts out there on the market. Do you think that it's the same possibility now to create a show to be able to monetize that
1: quickly and that well? Yes, but it is hyper-dependent on the niche of the show. So two examples of that. So one of my hobbies is I'm a real like hi-fi stereo nerd, like two-channel... You know, if I ask you when's the last time you listened to an album top to bottom, I bet it's been 10 years. Well, at least that's most people's answer. Oh, yeah. So I really nerd out on really experiential music listening again and i didn't know anything about it a few years ago and then i was exposed to it And i'm like oh my god i had forgotten how amazing it is to sit with in front of a great stereo and listen to your favorite music it's just awesome it's an awesome human experience you grab crap on a bottle of wine it's a good day at the office so i really got into that i nerded out about it and i was at one of the audio shows about a year and a half ago and i went to i was driving home from la back to san diego and I was like, oh, I want to jump on and listen to a podcast about it. And it didn't exist. I'm like, how is this possible? These guys argue. The friendships end because one guy uses silver-stranded speaker wire and the other guy uses copper-wound speaker wire. And neither of them apparently knows what they're talking about. So, And they, and they yelled at each other about stupid stuff like that. And so I was like, wow, that's crazy. I'm still kind of a beginner. But, and I'm also kind of a no BS guy. So if it sounds better to me, and this is a world where it's so it's 95% BS where, you know, people are like doing just the most insane things and the money that people spend on these things is crazy. A quarter million dollars, $500,000 for two speakers and some amps and a record player or something. Really? It's like, what are you nuts? So it didn't exist. And so I'm, I was like, I'm going to start a show. I'm going to call it beginner audiophile. And I'm going to take people from the big box stores to the. Snooty stereo shops. Like I'm going to get some understanding around that. So I launched it. Super hobby. I'm doing it twice a month. As of this weekend, I will have monetized that to like 50K a year. Seriously, and I'm really working on that right now. I'm actually working on the website and the whole structure. I don't think it's going to be that hard for me to get that show to six figures. So that's one, because... It's an audience that loves to talk about the gear. People are very interested in it. And, dude, they love to spend money. They love to spend money. So you get these guys that are, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, and they go, oh, I remember what it was like to be, you know, 1983 and listening to a Genesis album. And now all it is is Pandora, you know, and Spotify, which sounds awful compared to what it really is supposed to sound like. So if I can get those guys to buy some gear and whatever, I've got sure. all kinds of affiliate plays. I've got advertisers that want to be right in front of this targeted audience that has money. There's a million ways that this can be monetized. Yeah, you know. And then my buddy Joel Com just launched the Bad Crypto Podcast, and cryptocurrency is so popular right now. They're like, what are they? Six weeks in, maybe seven weeks in, and he's they're about to get a 1000000 They're about to hit a million downloads. No way. Yeah. Wow. So. They're doing all kinds of really inventive monetizing plays. So the answer to your question is it's very possible. It's not very possible if you want to start the next entrepreneur type show. Hmm. But it's very possible if you want to do something where you're an expert or you're really interested in a certain thing and there's other people that are interested in it and they will jump on. Yeah,
0: yeah. So niche and then niche and niche some more. Yeah, niche until it hurts. Kind of like what our mutual friend John Lee Dumas always talks about. You got to niche down and find that group of people because it's it seems counterintuitive because if you're like, well, if I just talk about everything, then everybody will listen. And that's just not the way that it works. So we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit here. Michael, talk about networking specifically. And I'm really interested to get into this with you because you have a fantastic circle of people that you've been able to surround yourself with. How much of your networking have you
1: attributed to podcasting in the last few years? I mean, all of it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Without the show, I wouldn't have had even a reason to go to some of these conferences or anything. Although I will say that when I was behind the scenes, I did go to New Media Expo, and that's where I really connected with Pat Flynn. And Pat's really been a linchpin for a lot of this stuff. Pat and John have been – I think John from an opportunity standpoint, you know, John will be like, dude, I'm too busy. Do you want to do this? Or, hey, I'm doing this speaking gig. I want you to come because I want to hang out. And so – I end up doing cool stuff because John just wants to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's how we did a creative live in San Francisco. And he was like, yo man, you want to come do this? I got the whole day. I don't want to do the whole day. Can you come and do an hour on interviewing or whatever? I was like, yeah. So that's the kind of thing that happens with John. And then Pat with just, just kind of being around him and, Being able to ask, and I think this is probably one of the big tips is, if you know somebody, you got to ask them who they know and ask them if there's, you know, do you know anybody else that I should connect with or whatever? So important. It's it's huge. And I don't know, that's to me, I wouldn't have had the reason for it if it weren't for the show. And I think once you become, my reputation now as a podcaster is that I'm like this interview dude. That's like the thing that I'm known for is doing these good interviews. Mm -hmm. So... That's been my platform that I've spoken on over the last really about year or so. And then I think that's going to end. I have two more speaking gigs this year that I'm going to talk about that. And then I think I'm going to kind of retire that. Okay. And then 2018, I'm going to talk a little bit more about automation and how... You can crank your business on that. So so
0: with you being a big knowledge person, because like you're talking about, when you get into a new subject, you're in the lab. So you're in the lab on this automation stuff. A couple months ago, it was a crypto, and then it was podcasting and the audio file. You, you like to gain a lot of information, but you also have a really fantastic circle of people surrounding you. I'm really interested to hear your answer to this question. It's one I ask every guest that comes on the show. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? It's a good question.
1: One begats the other. I think that you can know people, but then if you can't back it up, it's a problem. Right. So I think knowing people gets you opportunity and knowing things keeps opportunity coming. Allows you to capitalize on the opportunity that's presented to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it keeps the opportunities coming. So I can keep connecting with brand new people and they can, you know, I can make a good first impression and they can give me a gig. But if I don't have chops behind that, then the next invite won't come. Right. And there's only so many humans you can talk to before people realize, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, before he gets sniffed out. Yeah, exactly.
1: uh, But I will tell you unequivocally, nothing is more important than relationships in your life or in your business or any of that. Hmm. At all. It is by far the most important thing. And you have an entire course,
0: which we kind of mentioned earlier at conferencetopia.com. Is this specific
1: toward networking at conferences? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is. It's what to do before, during, and after a conference to get the best experience out of it. So I could go to a conference right now on like doorknobs and have no interest in any of the speakers and learn and get amazing things from my business because of Conference Topia, because of how I structured it.
0: And I love that it's before, during, and after because there's so many people don't take the before or the after. They just focus on the during and then they go be that guy that just printed off a thousand new business cards and throws them in everybody's face and then runs over to the next person and throws them in their face. So having that before prep time and that after follow-up time are equally as important or probably even more important than what happens during the conference itself. Would that be accurate?
1: Yeah, and certainly it's very accurate when you're talking about trying to connect with quote-unquote influencers or the speakers. Mm -hmm. If you reach out to them weeks before the conference and just be like, hey, I'm really looking forward to seeing you at this show and going back and forth a few times so that you're memorable, they know who you are. You could even do something for them, like, hey, what's your address or whatever, and send them a taco or whatever you like to send. And by the time you meet them, they're like, hey, thanks for the taco. That was great. You know, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And then you're actually getting a chance to sit down and, and have a conversation with them. So that's one before. If you want, I have seven quick things I can bang on to help you network better yeah, at do a conference. Is that good? Let's do it. The thing that I feel like it maybe is the most important is that sometimes the speakers are crappy at conferences. And, you know, if all of your success is hinging on what they say to the crowd, you will possibly be let down on every single conference you go to. So to me, I always felt like if I could walk away from a show with two or three things that were like kind of game changers for my business or something that really inspired me then I feel like it was successful. So I sort of reverse engineered it and said, all right, how do I ensure that I can get those two or three things? Like, how can I make that happen? So what I came up with was, if you walk into every single conference with two pressing questions you have about your business, like real tactical problems, what are people using to grow their Instagram or are Instagram ads working right now for growth? What mailing list software are you using? How much nurture campaign do you do? Whatever it is you have in your business that you feel like you're struggling with right now, Mm -hmm. like real, actual, tangible things. And you weave those two questions into the 40 or 50 conversations you're gonna have over the course of a weekend. You're gonna get 18 similar answers of that 40. You're gonna go, all right, that's the best practice. That's what I'm gonna do. And you're gonna walk away with those two answers to those most pressing questions in your business. So that's number one. Number two, this is going to require a little bit of effort beforehand. My buddy Clay Aber has this thing he calls the six-word intro. And the best way to templatize this is when someone says, hey, what do you do? If you can say, I help blank do blank in a really, really succinct way. And sometimes this takes hours and hours and sometimes days and sometimes weeks and sometimes months to get these six words right. Hmm. Because what you're effectively doing is you're creating your brand. Like, I can say right now, I help other unemployable people like myself learn to take their hobbies and skill sets and make them into a business. Hmm. And I can do that. I can say it over. And, the, and then, you know, the natural thing is, well, how do you do that? Well, I have it. And then I can go into, because I don't have permission to tell my story yet or throw my business card in their face. And that's right. what a lot of people do. That's what a lot so, of people do. Yeah. yeah. So I help blank do blank. You have to be able to answer that with every person you talk
0: to. Yeah, and and real quick too, let me throw this in there. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, has a really good test to see if that one phrase is good enough and he calls it the eyebrow test. So if you say that your one phrase and the person kind of scrunches their eyebrows together. Mm. And maybe it doesn't make much sense, but if they kind of raise their eyebrows, then they're probably going to follow it up with that question, which is how do you do that? And then it allows right. you to go into that conversation. But I just want to throw that in there. Go ahead.
1: That's great. I love that. And I mean, we're talking about sales at this point. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It, and if that question is portable and you can say it on a date or you can say it at a business meeting or whatever, and you get some sort of the same, like, oh, that's interesting. Then, you know, you got it right. Number three and this is, you know, I'm such a stickler about intros anyway, but I was sitting across the table from someone at a conference last year and my buddy was sitting next to that someone, but my buddy knew the guy I was trying to meet. So instead of just me going, hey, because again, think about how awkward this is. And this is why I said to you what I said earlier about the conference Topia link. Yeah. Think about being live and then you have to yourself, you go, hey, I'm Travis. And then you have to start reading down your resume versus... Somebody else introducing you, going, hey, this is my buddy, Travis. He's got this great podcast and blah, blah, blah. Doesn't it feel way different when oh, somebody yeah. else does it? Edification, right? yeah, definitely. But it also feels way better for the person being introduced that they don't have to go through, all right, well, I do this and this and this and this, and here's how you can find it, right? right? And here's how so awesome that's, I am. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because we want people to know that we've got our shit together and we're doing some stuff, but we don't want to have to brag about it. Right. And so that's why... As a, a host of the podcast, that's why I always plug my guests because I don't want them to feel like they have to do it themselves. I never want to hear the how can people find you. You know what I mean? Like if I feel like I did that, then I didn't do my job well enough because I should have been telling people how they could find them the whole time. You know what I mean?
0: And I that's and that's yeah.
1: part of the thing that we've adopted into this kind of entrepreneurial podcast world that we've completely ignored the rules of – Real broadcast journalism. And that's why I try to bring that stuff into this world. But when you're at an event, it's really cool to have an intro buddy where if you and I were – we chatted and say, hey, you know what? Let's go meet some people together. And then we start introducing each other. Hey, what's going on? This is my buddy, Travis. He's got this great podcast, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, this is my buddy, Mike, blah, blah, What's What's your story? And then – you know what I mean? Because it feels way different when you do that and you can cover way more ground and connect with way more people that way. So get an intro buddy. If you are shy, if you're a shy person, and this happens a lot at conferences where you're in these big rooms full of people, you don't know what to say to anybody, you have no idea how to structure anything. There's a thing called the FORM method, F-O-R-M, which stands for Family Occupation Recreation Motivation, F-O-R-M. And so if you think about that as you're going through I'd be like, hey Travis, what's going on? You know, what do you live here? And you be like, oh, you know, whatever. And be, okay, is your family all around here? You you came from here? Oh no, my you know grandparents are in, you know, blah blah blah. My parents are here, you know, whatever. Great. And then so, what are you doing? What are you doing these days for work and that kind of thing? It's a boring question, but it's sometimes we have to small talk. Mm-hmm. So I do this and this and this. Great. And then you live here and, you know, blah, blah, blah. What are you doing here? Do you race cars? Do you skydive? Do you, What are you doing with your life? And, now oh, cool, talk about that. And then what made you get into what you're doing now? So that's the methodology. That's the motivation behind why they're doing what they're doing. It takes five connecting points to establish rapport. So what we're doing is we're just kind of fishing for connecting points with those questions, but you do it in a smooth way. And if you have a framework to work within, you can blend those very seamlessly together and they don't have to go in that order and blah, blah, blah. But at least it gives you something to start with. Right. To make sense. Right. That's so important because so many people just they just don't know what to say
0: next. It's always they like an awkward introduction. And then just silence. <laughs> and it just yeah. makes for such an awkward encounter with this individual. And then you never know when to walk away and when it's okay to just leave because you yeah. didn't really have a conversation to begin with. And
1: right. Yeah. Well, you're all, all sort that, of looking that. into the distance going. Hmm, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really great. I love being persons. <laughs> yeah. I love being a human sometimes. Yeah. Number five is magic happens at the bar. So One thing I tell people at these conferences, I have friends that are like, hey, I'm getting a little tired. I'm going to hit the bed early tonight. I'm like, are you crazy? You spent $1,200 on a ticket. You spent $1,000 on your hotel room. You spent another 500 bucks on food. So you're in for like three grand for this weekend, and you're going to go to bed at eight o'clock when almost all of the successful networking and business deals are going to get done at midnight tonight at the bar. Mm. Are you crazy? So it's like there's nobody that is going to feel like a million dollars on Sunday of a conference. Everyone's on super limited sleep. Everyone's a little hungover. Everyone's, but it's what it is. You burn it at both ends for three days. You get as, you squeeze as much as you can out of this event and then you recover when you get home. That's just how it is. Yeah. do go do a cleanse next week. It's fine. (laughs) But this is, you know, the deals were made on the golf course back in the sixties and these days, The deals happen at the bar. So if you can, I can tell you unequivocally that most of the people I know that are speakers and things like that, we all end up at the bar at some point. Mm -hmm. And that's where the magic happens. So number six is body language. So if like, say you and I are chatting and then we can sort of sense that somebody's over our shoulder or, you know, kind of beside us. Yeah. There's a lot of places you can connect with people and have really intimate, deep conversations. A conference is not one of them. You can't assume that, especially if you were one of the speakers or you're out there, you know, in public, you're in the lobby of the bar, whatever, it's not going to happen. So when someone's hovering, open your body up so that you create a triangle and invite them into the conversation, let them know what you guys were talking about. It goes so much further than you realize. And then finally, I always schedule a calendar event, usually four or five days after the actual event. So I set myself like, I'll say one o'clock in the afternoon, follow up from, you know, I just went to Rocky Mountain Audio Festival this weekend. So today at like two o'clock, I have my follow up. So I'm going to sit down, look at all the business cards I got, start responding to people that I talked to. I was giving them enough time to get home and, you know, settle in again into their work week, but I want to check with them so they still remember me. So that, you know, they say the fortunes in the follow up. Yeah. Right. And in my case, I'm trying to get a second sponsor for the beginner Audio File show. So I want to definitely follow up with them. I want them to still feel the energy that we had when we were talking and try to get something on the calendar where we have a conversation and that kind of thing. So those are my quick seven tips on how to conference better. But Conference Topia has... A lot more. I was going to say,
0: yeah, deeper dive into the course. Just head to Conferencetopia.com and Michael will go over all of everything we just heard and go a lot deeper with you. Totally, totally free. Please go check it out if you're trying to take your conference networking to the next level. Michael, let's go ahead and shift gears one more time. Head into something I like to call the random round, which is just a few quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Cool. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you Drummer. think would be fun to attempt?
1: Oh, oh, I already did that. Stand-up comedy.
0: If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? My
1: mom. How do you like she's to learn? my
0: mom. Yeah, makes sense. How do you like to learn best books, blogs, or podcasts? Good question. YouTube. Is that a thing? Yeah. Is that, that, a, is that a D? But, but, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Other. Other. Yeah. You can other, YouTube. other on that one.
1: Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Wake up. Walk to the coffee shop. I don't have one of those really cool. You don't have awesome a JLD routine. Yeah. No, nah, I don't have one of those.
0: <laughs> I don't either at this point. So I don't yeah,
1: I do that. sometimes. What I'll tell you what I, when I'm in it, what I do is I do a 90 minute entrepreneurial walk. I have a park right by my house and I commit to listening to only entrepreneurial content and it it is actually very helpful for me and it's nice to get out in the world. I just haven't done it in a little while, so I got to get back to it. What is your go-to pump up song? Eminem, the eight mile one.
0: Lose yourself. Lose yourself. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. What are you not very good at? Systems. What is one place where we'll be able to find you the most in social media? Instagram. Instagram. Okay. And yeah. is that Michael O'Neill or is that at the solopreneur? App? At solo hour. At solo hour. Go find Michael on yeah. Instagram and at, at solo and hour.
1: And beginner audio file.
0: Yeah those are the two that and at beginner audio file okay awesome yeah. so at solo hour and at beginner audio file on instagram and then to go find out anything else on michael head over to solopreneur hour Dot com And uh, you can find a lot of different links and content there. But definitely check out Conferencetopia. I mean, if you're listening to this, you are interested in building your network. So what better way to do it than go and taking a really intense course on how to do it the right way at conferences. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show today, brother. We had a fantastic time with you. Learned a lot.
1: Dude, it was great. Thanks, Travis, man. I, I do appreciate every time I get to chat with someone.